Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Mother Teresa once said this. She said, none of us, including me, talk about herself, not me yet, right? None of us, including me, ever do great things. But we can all do small things with great love, and together we can do something wonderful. I think that encapsulates really what I want to get at today. I wonder if you've ever experienced something like this, being part of a team, being part of a community, being part of a group that is more than the sum of its parts, that's more than what each individual can bring to the table, but something in the collective, in the togetherness, in each part playing their part as only them are equipped to do, makes the whole thing work. Maybe you think of a rugby team. You know, all the kind of uh, big burly guys, all the uh, quick little people, and they all work together. If everyone was the same, the team would be rubbish. But because they're different and bring different things, it works. Maybe it's a business setting. Maybe, um, maybe you were part of the Avengers. In the, not if you were in the Avengers, but you get the idea, don't you? They were all different, and they could work together. So this is the idea, right? God, by his Holy Spirit, will empower each person in his church to play a part in what he's doing on the earth. God will equip you. God will equip the people around you. God equips, by his spirit, each one of us with a part to play. And so we are going to be talking this morning and probably the next couple of weeks as well about this idea of spiritual gifts. So between Christmas and Easter, we've been looking at the work of the Holy Spirit. And so far, we've been looking at what the Spirit does in our heart, how the Spirit works at a deep level inside of us. And now we're going to turn a bit corporate, look together. What about us as a gathered people? How does the Holy Spirit work in us? And we're going to do this by looking at three chapters from the book of 1 Corinthians. So if you have a Bible with you, would you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Now, I'm not doing three chapters this morning. That's the plan for the next three weeks. So we do chapter 12 this morning, and then we'll go into chapters 13 and 14 in coming weeks. And I just want to highlight, to start with, verse 1 of this chapter, which says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. So he's setting out right from the offset. I don't want you to get confused on the matter of spiritual gifts, which is... Good, isn't it? It's not, it's not the kind of topic anyone today would ever get confused about, is it? Uh, if you didn't pick up, uh, it, there's a lot of debate around this. There's a lot of arguments. Back in the 90s, you had something called the worship wars around spiritual gifts, which is just a bonkers thing to argue about, really, but people did. And the first seven or eight years of my Christian life, a big part of that was really trying to figure this out because I was seeing over here, or some seen some people really make a big deal of things like prophecy, of things like healing, of things like speaking in tongues. But the way they did it, something didn't sit right in me. It felt chaotic. It felt all over the place. And it didn't feel very loving. It didn't feel gentle. It didn't feel like it was building people up. And the, the way it was done just didn't seem right. And then I saw a bunch of people over here who were watching the same thing I was watching and thinking, yeah, 
that doesn't look great. So let's just bin them all off. Let's not bother with this stuff. Let's avoid it and maybe even theologically give arguments why, oh no, these things can't possibly be for today despite what the Bible says. And so that, that doesn't sit right either. And so trying to figure how do we use these things well? Because I've always thought, right, the best corrective to something done badly isn't not doing it at all. It's figuring out how to do it well. And that's what Paul's trying to do here. He said, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to know what these things are and how to use them. Let's read on. Let's pick up on verse 3 now. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. What he's saying is this. The number one sign of the Holy Spirit working your life is living under the Lordship of Christ. Now, it's not just saying, like anyone can say with their mouth, oh, Jesus is Lord. He's getting at something more than that. Can you say it and mean it? Can you say it and it be reflected right from deep in your heart, Jesus is Lord? That's why we've been in Romans 8 for a while first, thinking about putting to, to death the works of the flesh, seeing our mindset on things of the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. All of that flows into this. Because if you don't have this, if you don't have the Spirit working in the heart first, what do you end up with? You end up with hypocrites, right? You end up with people who, who might stand at the front and say, hey, God says this, and then they go home and they lose their temper with everyone and um, they're sharp and nasty and unpleasant to be around. They end up as gifted hypocrites. Now, there are too many gifted hypocrites in the world already. We don't need more of those. They're, you know, people who, they're a great worship leader, but they're cheating on their wife. You know, that's, that's not what we're after here. The Holy Spirit works in our hearts. We live by the Lordship of Christ. And then we use the gifts as well. The Spirit's work in you has got to run deeper than the Spirit's work through you. Otherwise, you're setting yourself up for a fall. Verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. This is really getting to the heart of the chapter. He's saying there are lots of different parts to play, but it's the same God who's working through you. The same spirit, the same Lord, the same God. Right, let's just think about CCM Lady Barn. Think about what the things are that make this church work? What are the different roles that people play? What comes to mind? Do you, do you think of the person who, who turns up early and sets up the room perfectly? You know, there's a science about getting the chairs exactly right in a church gathering. You know, people argue about this. The angle has to be right. The number in a row has to be right. Some people can nail it. Some people can't, right? Or think about the person who, when someone's had a baby or had an operation who sets up the meal train so that they can be fed by other people in the congregation. Someone's using some serious admin skills to set that up. Someone else, the moment they hear that somebody's got an issue, they'll be going into like total prayer warrior mode for them and lifting them up before God. They're using different gifts. Each one of us has different parts we can play different things that come natural to us. And what, what we tend to say, I've noticed this, right? When someone's using their gifts, they don't think they're doing anything special a lot of the time. 
What people say is, oh, I was just doing that thing, but that's an easy thing. That just comes natural. I just do that without thinking about it. And I'm like, yeah, you, you find that easy. If I was trying to do that, I wouldn't find that easy because it's your gift, because the Holy Spirit has enabled you to do the thing. That's a clue that it's a gift at work. And he says this in verse 7, to each, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That phrase to each is really important because what it's saying is every single person in the church has a spiritual gift. And that, you know what that means? It means that you have a spiritual gift. You have a gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, I love theology. Like, theology is kind of my thing. I also love encouraging and affirming people. And what I really love is when I get to use theology to encourage and affirm people. That's kind of the, uh, the golden combination for me. Well, here's a theological point. You have a spiritual gift. So be encouraged, be affirmed, be built up that God's got a part for you to play. I remember, I remember once we were sitting in this um, meeting and we were talking about what spiritual gifts we thought each other had. And someone said, you know, I don't think I, I have any spiritual gifts. Uh, and we were able to share with her what we saw, God working through her, uh, and talk about what gifts she did have and encourage her. You do have gifts. And by the end of that time, she could see it and her face was coming alive. You have spiritual gifts. Now, if you're thinking, hang on, okay, I sort of get the theory, Tom. You, you're telling me I have spiritual gifts, but how do I figure out what they are? Well, I've got a diagram for you. Um, three things, and I think if you can find the intersection of them, then you'll nail it. First one is natural abilities. Often I've found spiritual gifts are like the things that we've always been good at that then God takes and channels for his purposes. Some people uh, have always, um, let's say music, some people might have always been good at music, but then when they come to faith in Christ, that music is channeled to help the church worship. So natural abilities are a part of it. God-given passions are also a part of it. What is it that God's put on your heart that you love doing that it just kind of fuels you up when you're doing? Often that's linked to the gifts that God's given you. And then Holy Spirit superpowers. I put that because I don't know a better phrase for it. But do, do you get what I mean? Right? Sometimes you do something and it seems like what you're putting in should get a little bit of result. And God just makes it go whoosh. And the things that happen through it seem above and beyond what could possibly be expected. And, and God just takes and runs with it when you do something. That's what I mean by Holy Spirit superpower. And if you can find where those things all kind of come together then you've got your spiritual gifts. But it doesn't just say, right, it doesn't just say to each is given spiritual gifts. Because I think the trouble with saying that, each has a spiritual gift, is we end up in a very, like, individualistic place. It's all about me. It's all about the gift that I have and what I can do and how I get to be the star of the show. No, no, no that, that's not how it works at all. Because that verse 7 says to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For the common good. So these gifts are not given to me for me. They're not given to you for you. They're given to each of us for all of us. The gifts are given to each for all. So the purpose of Vishal being able to uh, play music so well isn't so that he can have a, a good private sing-song with God. 
It's so that we can all worship God through his gift. That's how it works. So sometimes, right, if I'm in a conversation about this and someone asks me, they say, Tom, what, what are your spiritual gifts? What gifts do you have? Depending who it is and how cheeky I want to be, I, I, I sometimes say, well, I have all of the spiritual gifts. And I'm not trying to be flippant, although it probably comes across that way. I'm trying to make a point because I'm part of a church. I'm part of a community. I'm part of the body of Christ. So when God gives somebody a gift of prophecy and they're able to bring a word and I'm blessed by it, well, God, working through them, has given that gift to me and to the rest of us. When somebody's an encourager and they're able to use their gifts of encouragement and I feel lifted by it, well, isn't that a gift from God to me? These gifts are not just like, oh, God gives like each of us a little gift to use. God gives us together all of the gifts through the people who are part of the body so we can all be blessed and all receive the gifts. We're a spirit-filled community. We're not just a community of spirit-filled individuals. Do you see the distinction I'm making there? It's an important one. And then he starts outlining what some of these gifts are in verses 8 to 11. And um, you can see there's a list there, isn't there? And in this passage, he's particularly highlighting some of the more overtly supernatural things that might be going on, like words of wisdom and words of knowledge. I don't know if you've seen it when someone, they bring a word and it's like, there is someone here who? Or it's like they know something about you. It's like, how did you know that? Well, the Spirit's made it known to them. Or, or faith, or healing, or working miracles, prophecy, distinguishing spirits. This is one that uh, Emma, my wife, has, where you can just look at a situation and say, yeah, there's something dark about that. There's something not right. There's just that sense of, yeah, there's doubt. Oh, there's something really good and wholesome and godly and angelic in that situation. Or being able to speak in tongues, that's like to pray or bring a, a message in a language that you haven't learned. And interpretation, that's having a clue what's going on when someone else uses tongues and being able to share and bless everyone through it. And we'll, we'll talk a bit more about tongues and about prophecy in a couple of weeks. But for now, all I want to say about that top list is yes and amen. We want this. We want to push into it more and more as we think about the Holy Spirit at work in the church. Don't we want to see healings happening more often? Don't we want to see prophetic words being shared? We want to push into it. And then there's some other lists of gifts in the New Testament as well. And a lot of these pick on things that maybe aren't quite as overtly supernatural. You've got things on there like uh, teaching, like administrating, like um, exhortation, generosity, leadership. All these different things are gifts. So it's not only in supernatural ways that the Holy Spirit will work through us. It's in more natural, more ordinary ways as well. But God will, through all of us, bring things that will help build and serve the church. And we work well as a church when each person brings what God has given them. I want to point out this. The part you have to play really, really matters. You know, sometimes I think people think, oh, all that's for other people. I, I can just sit here. I don't need to play my part. Well, listen to what he says. Let's read from verse 14. The body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, 
that would not make it any lesser part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any lesser part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. What he's saying is, don't you dare think, because I'm not like that person over there, I'm not important. Because wouldn't it be ludicrous, like his example of the human body? It would be absolutely ridiculous if the ear was saying, yeah, but I'm not an eye, so I'm just going to stop hearing. And the, the whole body would be worse off for that. And the whole church, the body of Christ, would be worse off if you don't bring the, God, the gifts that God has given you. Let me, infer, let me affirm you, what you have to bring really does matter. So be bold and use your gift and bring it and contribute with what you have to bring to the table. I talk to people so often who, um, you know, like during a gathered worship time and we'll sing a song and then there'll be uh, that, that little pause where the music goes on and it's an opportunity for someone to, to pray or to read a Bible verse or bring a, a picture that God's given them or whatever it may be. And I talk to people so often who were like, well, yeah, I thought God was saying this, but I just didn't say it out loud. I just didn't bring it for whatever reason I decided not to. Let me encourage you, if God's given you something to bless us with, bless us with it. Or maybe there are particular gifts that you know you have that it's just never come up. Maybe you're sitting there and you've been a part of the church for a while and you know that you're, you're pretty good at music, right? But it's just never come up in conversation about getting involved in the worship team. Why not bring it up and say, hey, this is a gift that I've got. I'd love to be able to use it and serve the church with it. Or maybe you're, you know that you can just cook an amazing meal. Uh, and when we do the, the church meals together, no one's ever said to you, hey, would you make a meal? Step forward, say, hey, I love cooking. I'd love to use this to bless the church. I've got a gift. I want to use it to serve. Whatever your gifts are, use them. Get involved. So your part matters. But it's not only your part matter, that matters. Everybody else's part matters as well. And this is what he goes on to in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow the greater honour. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honour to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. So this is kind of the opposite as before. Before we were saying, don't get kind of down on yourself, thinking I've got nothing to bring. This is saying, don't get down on other people, thinking that they have nothing to bring. Again, it would be a ludicrous thing to do if the body parts were having a go at each other, say, well, I matter, you don't matter. But I think without realising it, we can do this a lot in the church, can't we? We could value certain jobs or gifts or roles 
higher than others. Things that um, maybe people who are here teaching the Bible or at the front doing stuff or uh, giving a notice on the screen about it. It's like, okay, yeah, you matter because of what you're doing. But people who do stuff behind the scenes that aren't as known, that aren't as noticed, can implicitly be devalued. So let's apply this, right? What I want you to do this week, if you're up for it, is just open your eyes and notice. Notice what people in this community are doing. Notice the role that people are playing that often goes unnoticed. And why not make a point of encouraging someone this week and say, hey, I really appreciate what you're doing. I really appreciate how you do X, Y, Z. Let's share some encouragement with one another. In these verses, he also goes a bit further than just saying we value and appreciate the roles that people play. He's saying we're invested together. We are a body, and so what happens to one of us affects all of us. He's saying when one suffers, we suffer together. When one rejoices, we all rejoice together. This is more than a functional thing. We are together, the body of Christ. And we fight for honour, particularly for those who are being dishonoured. Let me just highlight verse 23. I think this is a really important verse uh, just to pick out here. On those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow the greater honour. That's really important. This isn't just about certain spiritual gifts being devalued. Any way that any part of the body is treated in a dishonourable way is something that all of us as the church should be invested in, should care about, and should fight for special honour in those cases where dishonour is being sown. I see this come up quite often uh, in conversations about race. So uh, when something happens like uh, Child Q, which has been in the news recently, and people start a wider conversation about racial justice and injustice and where dishonour is happening to certain groups in society, you always get someone who wants to pipe up with the lie, yeah, but let's not talk about this too much because all lives matter. That's the line that gets brought up. It's like, Yes, there's a dishonouring happening, but well, we don't need to really focus on that, do we, is what people say. And Paul here is seeming to say that's a totally inappropriate response. When you see dishonour, it needs to be brought to the light. And special honour does need to be given in those moments. It's not just a race thing. The same can happen on social class. It can happen on gender. It can happen on physical, mental health. It can happen on disability. It can happen on social ease. Some people seem easy to talk to, so they get honoured. Some people may be a bit more difficult to talk to. Dishonour gets applied to them. We need to think widely about what it is to be a body of Christ and how we honour those who outside or even inside are getting dishonoured. Now, I suspect there are some people in here who are thinking, hang on, hang on. I was tracking with you on all the spiritual gift stuff. I was getting that. I was nodding along to that. Why are you making this about race and about class and all that stuff? I can answer that one for you. I'm making it about that because Paul makes it about that. Just look at verse 12 and look at verse 13, how he frames this section. For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptised into one body. And notice what he says here. Jews or Greeks? Where did that come from? He's bringing race into it. Why? Why Jews or Greeks? 
because there was tension in that culture between Jews and Greeks. Slaves are free. He's bringing class into it. Why is he doing that? Because there was tension in that community on the grounds of class. And all were made to drink of one spirit. Now, David Anderson picks up on this passage and what he does with it. I think this is absolutely brilliant. So uh, I've gone for a long quote from him because it's just so good what he says. He says this. Did you notice what Paul did here? He mentioned race and culture, Jews or Greeks, and class, slave or free. He did more than simply insert an abstract thought about race and culture. The author was making a transition. He was telling us how we are to view the rest of the passage. Paul wanted us to read verse 14 and following through the lens of race, culture and class. To avoid reading the rest of the passage in that way would do violence to the writer's intent. Knowing this has multiplied my understanding beyond the single view of addressing the diversity of spiritual gifts to affirming the multiplicity of racial, ethnic and class interdependency as well. If we're going to be the body of Christ, if we're going to be the church, this is what it means. A vision for spirit-filled community can't just be about someone standing up and bringing a prophetic word once in a while. It can't just be about the gift of tongues being used more often, although we would love those things to be used more often. It has to be more than that. It has to be when one is dishonoured, we all together stand and honour them, that when one suffers, we suffer with them, and when one rejoices, we rejoice with them, to truly be the body of Christ. Now, this plays out locally in this congregation in the way we treat one another, in the way we listen to one another, in the way we open our homes to one another, and the way we receive from one another. It also plays out globally as well, the way we think of the church as the body of Christ across the world. I just want to break some news to you, and I know you know this, but do you really know this? The American megachurch movement is not the sum total of what the whole church is. You think from the books we read, the podcasts we listen to, the people we quote all the time, we just go into the same places as though that's the whole body of Christ. It is not true. Let's be part of this global body of Christ. Let's hear the voices from all different parts of the world. Even the way we talk about things, it's absolutely ludicrous. I sometimes hear people suggest, oh, maybe the church is shrinking. Maybe the church is in decline. I think that's debatable, even if we're talking about white Western context. But how ludicrous is it to say the church is in decline? If you looked what's happening in Africa, in Latin America, in Asia, the church is on the advance. Or is it that those parts of the world don't count in the body of Christ somehow? The way we talk sometimes makes it out like that. It's not true. We are the body of Christ, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. Many members, but one body. So we give particular honour where honour has been lacking. So let's land it. What's Paul's big idea here? Verse 31. Earnestly desire the higher gifts. That's what we've been talking about a lot of the time. And I will show you a still more excellent way. And then he's going to hit 1 Corinthians 13. I'm sure you know that chapter. If you've ever been to a wedding, it's probably been read. It's not about weddings. It's about this. Love is patient. Love is kind. The more excellent way is love. The whole focus, the vision for the church here that Paul has. It's individual. 
Each one of you has a part to play. You're not just kind of absorbed into some big kind of community. You have a part to play. But it's also collective. The part you play is for the common good. It's where manifestations of the Spirit are given to each, that God will work through you and are given to all. It's when God works through others. That's for you. That's for us. It's a place where the gifts are used and where love abounds. I think that's a vision that I can get behind. Concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed.